Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Day one. <sighs> Tough going. I think the minute you stand still is the minute you're dead. Day two, um, 48 hours done now. Uh, three full days down, 72 hours in. Four full days in and I wanted to get five. Uh, our five days done, sorry, going into day six now. Maybe it's been bred into me, but I've always had a, a curiosity to, to explore the world. Day 56, eight weeks, done and dusted. Mood is good, spirits are high. Day 43, done and dusted, actually. Day 32, done and dusted. Anything and everything is, is achievable. Yeah, this is going to be fucking epic, man. This is only 24 hours in, and um, yeah, it's tough. My name is Damien Brown, and welcome to Deep Roots. Hi guys and welcome back to Deep Roots and welcome to the listeners Q&A number four or the final one um, before season one draws to an end with the final episode uh, next Tuesday. I hope you've been enjoying the story, hope you've gotten something from the um, the telling of it and the details I've gone into. Um, I really have managed to uh to draw it out but i you know it was important to me to share that as kind of authentically and in as much detail as i could because of its um well the place it held in my life for so long like this absolute obsession to make it happen and and the time and energy uh, i put into that and the perseverance to make it happen and then you know that was just to get on the water and then to to go through this incredible experience um over 63 days and you know i've called it many times since i finished uh, three years ago uh, it was like a lifetime of challenges in uh, 63 days so i wanted to respect that and do it justice and respect um what i put into it and uh, and i saw this as a great way to do that in a long form so hope you've gotten something from the um that 
retelling of a very 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 important um part of my life so uh i'm gonna just dive in here to some questions because I, I don't the idea behind these is not to have them anywhere near as long as the um the normal story um episode so um and i've missed a few uh, i was just going back over some screenshots i took of um questions that came in over the last whatever 10 weeks or so if not more and i picked up a few that i that i didn't answer in you know one two and three so if you are have been waiting to hear your question um hopefully it's in uh, this episode so the first one here is from dan lenehan on instagram um and he says hi damien really enjoying the podcast have a question for your q a you talk a lot about the voice in one's head looking for the easy way making excuses etc completely agree with this what i was wondering was have you ever driven on ignored the voice in your head and regretted it example injury in brackets basically what i'm asking is do you ever find it hard to distinguish between your mind tricking you or a genuine reason to stop yeah it's a pretty good question um so what comes up for me when you are asking that is yes in terms of like i have driven myself to injury many times um i'm thinking back now to my rugby days in particular and making a lot of mistakes in that training that down the line have manifested in really poor movement patterns and have kind of um taken their toll like it's kind of been a a bit ego led but it's never really been a case of um an in the moment uh kind of excuse coming up that ended up getting me injured and then more recently um like even last year i had this succession of back injuries and um again it was coming down to like me kind of that poor movement pattern and me really pushing and reaching uh too far with the load i was trying to lift and then ending ending up injuring um yeah like putting my back out that's happened many times um and you know everything i do is to try and mitigate that but sometimes you do find yourself in that space for numerous reasons but i've never uh really had it from like uh, a session where your mind is really testing you you know uh, where it's a, an absolute dogfight between you and your mind and it just wants out because that's more of a, a power endurance type of training session you know where you're dealing with um, copious amounts of lactic acid coursing through you and then with that physical reaction obviously having a, a mental reaction and trying to deal with those excuses that are coming up or that you know those weaknesses that are coming up but that's not really a stimulus that's really going to injure you okay like if you if you do move badly say if i was rowing that was the type of training session i was doing um you know i'd have certain levels of stiffness the next day you know through that poor movement um pattern that i had um this kind of uh, power endurance uh, stimulus true but it, it never very or sorry it will never reach into injury the one time i do get 
kind of worried with that type of training rowing training is when you're really going into flat out sprint work over like two three hundred meters um again it comes down to just not having a, a particularly um perfect movement pattern and then that stress going through that when it is absolute maximal pulls and there is a little bit of fatigue so i i have a kind of system that i've put in place around that that i will only peak that for one week well two weeks or one week and then i'll only do one rep that i call um intention over position so that means that it's absolutely full out 100% intention the position doesn't matter but I won't spend a lot of time there so that minimizes the risk of injury but um, apart from that yeah I I haven't I don't really um, you know have um, much of an association with um, like a um, a quit or a weakness or an injury coming from true like the the your mind testing you from you know uh, from the effects of the physical effort so thanks for your question dan uh next question is from keen mahud gallagher i think it's keen anyway it might be seen um excuse me if i butchered it um just listened to episode 11 so yeah um yeah cheers uh keen if you've been patiently waiting for this because that's obviously um what's that now uh, 14 weeks ago or so or 13 weeks ago so i appreciate it uh really enjoying all of the episodes one question i had from 11 was the constant questioning if you are always questioning how does that impact preparation and the feeling that you've done enough before you take something on so the questioning is just uh, to keep you honest you know to uh, uncover any uh, issues that are going on in the background that are unseen often this is kind of relating back to the last question from dan this is ego coming in so um by constantly questioning everything um not everything but constantly questioning you know what's in your control your uh, perceptions your decisions your actions your reactions um that keeps me real honest and that uncovers that um background voice that can be really sneaky and manipulating to kind of get you to push into those areas that over time you know if unchecked will will lead to um some sort of negative reaction and that could be again going back to dan's question could be injury so that's why that is um uh, that's why it's really important uh, part of prep um it keeps you kind of moving forward in a, um, a kind of um, a healthier way and then um uh, feel and and the feeling that you've done enough before you take something on well um it's it's not a case of so I, there'll be some parameters that I'll be like every session for me has targets and um, I'm always pushing those targets so I know I'm getting better and those targets could be in terms of volume or they could be in terms of um, speed or times over certain um exercises like I'm um, over certain machines that I'm using be it bike erg or rowing erg or airdyne or versa climber or whatever 
So I know I'm always getting better and moving forward uh, if I'm pushing and hitting those targets. The minute I don't hit them, I don't panic because there's many factors that can go into that. But if I don't um, rebound and hit the target the next time after a little bit of kind of uh, recapulation and a little bit of rest and recovery, um, then I will change things up immediately, you know. So by the end, if you keep doing that, uh, you've like come massively um you've improved performance massively through your um training preparation and you can see that the numbers are there clearly the volume is there you've got faster you've done more volume um and you've hit targets um and if you haven't well it's not the end of the world as long as you have a um some sort of clar honest absolutely brutal honest clarity on why you haven't hit those but it's not a case of getting to a point and then going that's ready no you just you try and peak your training so get to um get to a place where you have gotten hugely better over that time i do often actually try and um compete like if when i was training for rowing uh, a really good kind of way to uh sorry it was just a lovely um fit with that was that like there was a competition like two and a half weeks before i was meant to fly so i went actually ended up before this row i went down to the irish indoor championships um and competed and then uh did like had pbs and all my races and broke Irish records and obviously was hugely happy and then that ended up meaning that I actually cut the last five days of my training because I felt like I'm not going to get like anything really from it and there's actually a bit more risk there right towards the end because you're peaking with really heavy weights and that so I was like no I'm in a good place it actually you know as you know it ended up costing me hugely on day uh day one where everything kind of went wrong um so I hope that answers your question Keen. Question from Kieran Kelly. Uh, did you ever just shit yourself in the middle of nowhere in the dead of night and the wildest waves bouncing you all over the place? And he adds to that, my only fear in life is being buried alive. And I keep thinking of it when you mention sleeping in the cabin. Um, the honest answer to that is not really. I never, I never had that reaction. I shit myself on day one where I saw the whole thing going down the pan and been a bit of a fucking laughing stock. Um, cause you know, you, you, like I said, you know, back in the first few episodes, you got to put yourself out there for this. So, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a fall then around that. So that, that was the only time I really got that shocking feeling, but you don't like, I don't know if this sounds strange to people, but you don't have time to shit yourself. Like when you're in the middle of those conditions, like you talked about pitch black, big waves, howling winds, the, the ocean is just a, you know, you just feel it's angry. Like it has a mood of anger and it's fucking um and it doesn't give a fuck for you like but it, that's just about survival like so you're in this really hyper aware state and you're so um safety conscious and vigilant you know um and you know at, at you know if it gets to a point it never really did for me uh, but if it gets to a point where you are um very fearful for your safety uh, for whatever reason well then you just you've got the safety of the actual cabin and i know you for you that mightn't feel um you know by listening to this that 
you know, and obviously if you have a fear of being buried alive, you, you, you have an, you've built an association maybe between the, the cabin and the ocean and that, but it's not like that at all. Like, well, it wasn't for me anyway. It was, in a, um, that was my safety place. And that's where I felt I could, um, get out of that state. You know, I didn't have to be hyper aware. I didn't have to be like unbelievably vigilant at my every, um, every, sensation didn't have to be like tingling on my nerve endings you know it was it, it, that was safe that was switch off time that was actually sleep and I slept I had some epic sleeps out there like deep 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 sleeps uh in that cabin even when like um you know uh it was rough and there was waves bombing off the cabin and there was squalls and all that because of that energy that was ex- um expelled um just surviving when on deck when you get inside you just crash like even the day i capsized twice and then you know on day 14 uh once i felt i was safe and i had put out the drogue um and got into that cabin i think it was like half eight in the evening still bright out like i just crashed i was just like i just had i had like so much uh, emotional energy and uh, general energy had been um, consumed that day that once i felt safe it was boom gone dead to the world so and the next question is from pete eccles um i had a thought about a question you might want for your podcast you mentioned believing you could win the race when you set off curious to know when did the reality kick in and you realized the enormity of that challenge do you now feel it's more important to find out more have a better understanding before setting such goals to mitigate against the risk of them turning out to be unachievable or is it more useful to just have the aspirational goal just wondering how you view what you learned about yourself when you realized that goal wasn't happening um yeah there was a a little bit of a crash around that you know and I, i wouldn't say i ever really got over it you know i was even up to i think it was day 40 something when when george passed me out you know i had a bit of a slump then and you know i'm i'm a competitive animal and um obviously at that stage i was well out of the race but i still was competitive with the race you know i still wanted to catch the boats ahead of me i still wanted to be doing better than i was doing and then you know when i'm getting passed out by you know a guy who technically should be slower like and i am putting in all this graft like it was it was honestly it was really um humbling and um i was uh you kind of hit me really hard like you know considering the start of the race um i was delusional like i i mean there was no way i was winning that race but i didn't know that um because i didn't have the information around boats which is a huge factor you know the different shapes of boats and the the fact that some of them are there's a couple of different classes like pure and open and that the open class boats are you know designed to make the most of the weather conditions so uh, they also call them concept you know they're they're um, a different build than the traditional or the pure class which i had which are much slower because of their shape and they don't make um the best use of the conditions but like i'm very happy having very happy and i would never um row 
uh, in a anything but a pure class boat um, at, for my choice because uh, I'm a traditionalist and I believe that that's the way an ocean should be rowed. It should be hard. But I didn't have this information beforehand, you know, and um, um, if I had, uh, my goal might have been very different. Um, and it, it, it was pretty clear pretty early, like when... I got caught up in that kind of uh, low weather system um, uh, right at the start and we started kind of getting sucked in back in by the tides. Uh, it was pretty clear um, that I had different worries and my first worry was, and my major goal was just crossing, you know, that in itself would have been enough, but um, at the same time, I really wanted to reach for the stars with this thing. And I, I did have a deep belief that I, I could win it because as far as I was concerned, I was the best rower in the field. But it's not about being the best rower in the field. You know, it's about the setup and then how hard you're willing to work. And, you know, if you have um, auto helms as well, which I didn't, I did this as raw as it can be done. So I did it in a pure class boat with a foot steering and then the foot steering went after day 14. So I did it in a pure class boat with no steering and I was competing against guys who were in open class boats, which means the cabins are switched and they're like when they're getting hit by the wind um, in some conditions when they put their oars in the water it's actually slowing them down and that believe me that was never my fucking problem um but these are these are the guys i'm competing with you know and then they have auto helms as well so that means when they're sleeping the boat is steering uh getting steered by the computer like you know by this um arm that connects the gps to the rudder um so i'm i'm very happy i did it the way i would i did it you know i did it as raw as it can be done as hard as it can be done and then it turned out 10 times harder because loss of steering and I wouldn't change a thing and you know I that's what I believe that's what I want from these things I don't want to particularly um, win them I want them to be really hard and what's important from what comes of it is all the rewards of that and I leave absolutely no questioning around that I don't want any questions at the end did I do this as hard as it could be was it as hard as it could be yes yes great you know uh, and um, yeah so I think that answers all your questions do you feel it's more important to find out, have a better understanding before setting such goals? Yeah, I kind of, I, I answered that, right? To mitigate against the risk of them turning out to be unachievable. That was definitely unachievable. Um, or is it more useful to have an aspiration goal? I still think, you know, um, and I I still like, for when I think of Project Empower, we have an, this aspirational goal to break the world record, which is 55 days and 13 hours set by Harbo and Samuelson 125 years ago. It's never been beaten. It's been attempted 18 times. Um, and um, and me and Gussie are setting out to beat that. But at the same time, the most important thing is that we cross. You know, that is the major goal. After that, you know, the it will be in the moment stuff like that we will be dealing with and hopefully we get the right weather so we can push for that world record but if we don't it's out of our control you know as long as we prepare in the um with the focus and the actions to break that world record and we are ready to do it and we body those actions on the ocean um i don't care if we don't break the record but i, I we have to pursue it um but if things are against us um you know that are out of control well so be it that's it let me see uh i hope oh no there's one more question here from Paddy ruby or 
Figur, Figuric, maybe, on Instagram. Anyway, hi, uh, cheers, body. Uh, hi, Damien. A question for your Deep Roots Q&A, if possible. How did your body adjust from burning 12 to 15,000 calories and consuming 6,500 calories each day once you completed the crossing? How quickly did you start to regain weight? And what were the first few days like once you got back on dry land in terms of eating? And I assume you had a few drinks. A few drinks were had. Pod is excellent. Fair play. Four controls. Massively effective. Uh, hope training is going well down under. Looks intense. Yeah. Okay. So um, how did I adjust? So I don't remember anything. Like I started putting back on. Like I lost 28 kilos on the crossing and I started putting back on weight. I wasn't measuring this or anything, but uh, I just started. I was just eating normally. Um, well, I like normally for me. So like that looked like there's a kind of finishing part where they, the tradition where you get a cheeseburger and fries and a beer. And then I got luckily one of the local uh, photographers, Ted Martin brought me a kind of coconut, you know, so that was beautiful, that fresh coconut water out of the coconut. And, uh, somebody offered me a can of Guinness and I was like, not in a million fucking years. I appreciate the sentiment, but like, nah, not happening. Um, and then that night we went for dinner with my parents, um, brother, sister, their partners and, um, friends that were there. And, uh, like, you know, if you'd asked me beforehand, I would have said like, that'll be a, what a night that'll be like, that'll just be crazy, uh, in terms of like a, a party, but like, once I smashed a couple of pizzas, had a couple of beers, um, I was very, very, very happy in people's company. Like I could have been, I could have just sat there and listened to people talk, but of course, you know, that, that wasn't happening. You know, people wanted to know a little bit about what family and friends and I want to share a little bit, but, um, uh, I just crashed after that and actually it was like that for about four or five nights um, with the best intentions just going out for dinner and then crashing you know maybe a couple of beers but absolutely no drive to kind of um, take that any further and then kind of after about a week in Antigua I think I had one or two late nights after that you know but um, it did take a while to get to there and then there was a lovely period of kind of indulgence um, you know eating like pancakes and ice cream for breakfast and just smashing everything I could get my hands on like because I was so light and I hadn't tasted decent food in so long and well sorry the, the, the expedition foods is okay in fairness but like it was just that um freshly cooked um like there was a re one restaurant we went to me and my brother uh in Antigua she's I can't remember their names now but they you know, I ordered this big, huge seafood platter and uh, they gave it to us on the house in the end when they found out I was I was the guy, the last rower to come in. Because it's a really big thing in Antigua, this row, you know, the whole kind of country kind of gets to gets behind it and follows everyone online and then they welcome you in. So, so that was really cool. And um, that was just sensational. So th there was a lovely period of indulgence there, but there was, with a little, a few pints here and there, but nothing major, like and nothing that I had kind of, foreseen or perceived would happen um and the weight kind of came back on and then i traveled throughout the caribbean for a little bit on my own believe it or not and you know again the sugar kind of habit had kind of set in at that stage and uh, you know i was just it was it was very much a case of like sugar with every meal which is would be unusual for me so the weight did come back on but um at the same time i had plenty of scope to to let it come back on from you know what i would normally walk around that 
and then yeah there was some ailments physical ailments I, i'll probably talk about this in the next episode but like um the, the of course the sores was the big concern and it, it turns out uh, that i shouldn't have really been too concerned and then fingers um but i think i'll i'll chat about those in uh, probably at the end of the next episode and you know to kind of close that out i won't take away from that and and that's all the questions and listen if i've missed your question over um you know this 25 26 weeks including that break at christmas um geez six months at this thing fair play <laughs> um I'm sorry, uh, it wasn't my intention and um, I appreciate you taking the time and the effort um, out of your day and your energy to send them in. And uh, yeah, listen, uh, thanks uh, as always for listening and um, we will talk to you next Tuesday. Cheers. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.